0: Welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. On this week's show, I have a chat with one of the real movers and shakers in the road transport industry, someone who's leaving no stone unturned in making sure your voice is being heard where it counts. Who could that be? Keep listening, that interview is coming up next. Mike has a really great yarn with Trevor Warner, the Queensland Delegate for the National Road Freighters Association, about some of the many issues we're all facing in the transport industry today. All this plus our regular news and something to talk about segments a little later. There's a little bit of something for everyone in this week's show, so settle back, slip into overdrive and enjoy as we get the show on the road.
1: G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig
2: Radio Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us
1: a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, Radio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The
2: Australian Big Rig Radio com. I'm Yogi from
1: Outback Chuckers and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but
3: when we're on the road, we're listening (laughs) to the big rigs on the road, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) At a time when drivers, owner drivers and small fleet owners are crying out for their voices to be heard. Seeking improved operating conditions, less regulations, reduced fines and sustainable changes in regulations to provide a fair go for all concerned, it's good to know that someone is actually doing something about it. Our special guest on the road this week has not only identified these needs, but has launched a new industry group that will lobby government with a united voice that they simply won't be able to ignore. A longtime truckie and compliance expert with extensive experience in enforcement and transport policy, our guest is bringing a strong and united voice to those who need and deserve to be heard. Highly respected for her enthusiastic never-say-die commitment to the cause, it's my pleasure today to introduce to you Roxy Misco. Hi Roxy, good morning, welcome to On The Road.
4: Thank you, Andy. It's great
0: to be here. Before we dive into the details of your newly formed United Transport Group, for those who might not be fully familiar with your background, maybe they've been under a rock or... (laughs) Can you share with us a little of your history and experience with the industry? I know you're a trucker yourself. You've been on the road a lot, driving all sorts of trucks of different sizes. Yeah. You've been involved in various levels of enforcement and compliance and so on, but just a bit of your background.
4: Okay, sure. So I've actually grown up in the transport industry. My own parents had a business running Adelaide to Cairns. So a lot of hard yards. They owned a few trucks and subcontractors. And so I was out there driving at the age of about 14 years old. Wow. So road training out there. And in the recent years, I've actually been in government for the last 15 to 20 years. And recently, I've done some projects for the new legislation for the Department of Agriculture in the task force. Mm -hmm. I've been in home affairs for the Department of Immigration and Australian Border Force doing projects across onshore and offshore and change and risk mitigation. I've worked in the RMS for 18 odd months, two years across the heavy vehicle enforcement And in that role, I was actually in the chain of responsibility as the consignor for the testing of the legislation. So I have huge knowledge of COR Mm -hmm. and I'm a strong believer that the intent of COR is not actually working well for industry. And I'll give you a little example of that. Sure. Under the COR, I think there's been about 37 prosecutions for consignors and consignees, and we all know that there's been a huge amount of prosecutions in transport being drivers and transport companies. Of recent, when I'd had enough of working inside the government and the bureaucracy. I've been out driving triple road trains Adelaide to Darwin and running road trains across the paddock to Perth. So I completely understand how hard everybody works in transport and actually need a fair go.
0: Absolutely. Now, if we touch a little bit on the United Transport Group, there's been a few within the industry that have been saying there are already so many different industry lobby groups and there's a call for a real unity. This is obviously part of what's led you to forming this specialist group. What were the actual contributing factors that led you to take on this mammoth task?
4: It is mammoth and it's not for the faint-hearted. I've got the resilience and I've got the passion and I've got the knowledge how to drive this change into government. But my reason for doing this is I'm sick of watching industry getting flogged with fines and complex enforcement. So I started the United Transport Group to drive this united front into the changes that's required in the national regulator and other government departments. Mm-hmm. But I think the real difference with us is that we're a national group. Most of the other organisations are state or jurisdiction focused, whereas we will be doing all of that plus industry sectors.
0: Yeah, so truly national.
4: Truly national, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know it's a big question, but in a nutshell, because we've obviously only got a, a half hour show. Yeah. But what are the real aims and goals of the United Transport Group?
4: Okay. So the first aim is that I'm very aware, and I've done my numbers and research on this, and so I can speak absolutely definite. 80% of the transport sector aren't in any union or other association. Mm. That is absolutely a huge gap for those people to have a voice. It is. And the whole intention of this is to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to give us their views. It's not what I think or what the board think. It's a collective. So we'll be doing surveys our members will have a really strong input into that some of the goals that i would like to see come out of it is that if someone's approved on a route to have a b triple then that should be open to everybody Mm -hmm. providing obviously their truck is rated you know if it's 115 ton rated and they can pull a road train someone else has gone in and paid for that engineering on the road then why shouldn't all of the transport sector get that opportunity to use it? So that's one thing. Mm. Another thing is the fatigue. Is the fatigue really working? And I have a view on it, but I don't want to actually push my view. This will be about 80% that join us. Mm. And obviously in the industry-specific groups, they'll be sitting in those groups speaking amongst themselves and with myself They'll sit in there for, I would think, about eight to 12 weeks, pick out the top five to eight issues within each sector. I'll then get them pulled up to the board level. We'll then analyse it. And there could be three or four things that go across all those sectors that would go, okay, there's the priorities. Should we have standard as or should we be looking at just having BFM and AFM because it's a big country? So if someone's on standard hours and they've got 12 hours and they're in roadworks or some issue and they need to go over an hour to get home or to get to a depot, they cop a major fine. So is that okay? No, it isn't. Mm. Yeah.
0: Now, early feedback's been showing that there's been a huge interest from right across the industry in the group's formation. What sort of support have you been receiving thus far from within the industry?
4: Absolutely huge. And I'm actually very, very happy to say it's been overwhelming. It's extremely exciting. We've actually already got people putting their hands up to sit in my industry-specific groups to help. I have had so many messages, how can I help, how can I help. High end of membership at this stage, high numbers, is coming from owner-operators. Right. We've also got a lot of drivers that have been signing up. We've got other groups from the two to five. They've been a fairly heavy membership jump in. We've also got other ones sitting there in discussion with 40 trucks, 80 trucks, 35 trucks, 50 trucks, 100 trucks. I personally think this is a very unique group because we are all able to jump in a truck and go driving. The other people in the team own trucks and I think we offer that really strong grassroots and understanding.
0: That sounds phenomenal, that response. Obviously, Roxy, for the United Transport Group to be truly successful in achieving its goals, you'll be looking for a lot of grassroots input from all levels of the industry. How do you propose to get everyone involved right from the start? You talked about surveys and things.
4: So we'll be doing a lot of questionnaires, a lot of surveys with members, like I said, They'll be given the opportunity to actually sit in those industry-specific groups. We actually had a lot of young drivers actually already contacting us with excitement. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty much ready to stand up that young group and have that definite conversation around how can we help younger people get into the industry. So we are really focused on actually hearing everyone's voice. And there is one survey that I'm a little bit passionate about, that we will put into place. Nobody in the country has ever really looked at the volume of fines that the transport industry has copped compared to other industry sectors. And I can speak clearly from my government work. I've been in health and aged care. I've been in order force and immigration, ag department. So I can speak absolutely with 100% of knowledge. Those industry sectors don't cop the fines. So one of the surveys I'm looking at putting in is to get a gauge on how many fines have actually occurred over the last five years. And I think everyone will be absolutely shocked when we can get those results in. Truckies have had spurs accounts for years, but no other industry sector.
0: Mm, I think you're right. I think it's gonna be phenomenal, the numbers that come through. Yeah. Yeah. So for drivers and fleet owners listening at the moment, They're interested and they want to get involved, which I'm sure there will be a lot that do. How do they go about coming on board with the United Transport Group? What do they need to do?
4: All they need to do is go on our website, go in to join us, do their membership, It's a $100 membership, and that's very, very cheap compared to other costs of memberships. Mm. And we've made it that way because we actually aren't here to make a heap of money or anything like that. It's actually about getting the united voice. And then anyone with fleets of trucks, we're asking them to join up, give me a ring. My phone number is on the website I'm happy to answer any questions to any members, whether it be driver, owner operators, fleet operators, certainly open to everyone's view and it is about us as an industry Mm. and that 80% to actually be heard, to actually push the changes they want and without them joining, nothing will ever change. So it ends up that the truckies, everyone says, oh, they're whingers, I don't see any other industry sectors working 14 hours a day, yeah. and I don't see any other industry sectors copping fines. Like some of the stories that we're getting are unbelievable. Like a driver copped a $700 fine for not ticking a box in his work diary for standard BFM or anything. I mean, who wants to go home with half their pay packet? Mm. I mean, that's just out of control. It is. You know, and they're the things that we need to pick first to push into government and look at the low hanging fruit that we can actually change fast Mm. by the tick of a pen inside government. And I know that's the fact because I've been inside there and it is that straightforward with simple regulations. Yeah.
0: So, that website, what's the web address for that, Roxy?
4: Right, it's www.unitedtransportgroup.com.au and like I said, we are certainly happy to speak to any of you.
0: Wonderful. Well, Roxy, I think I can speak on behalf of everyone in the industry. When I say we're all really excited to see the group come together and we'd all wish you and your team every success as you move forward with this wonderful innovation, thank you very much for taking the time out of your super busy schedule to chat with us on the road today.
4: Thank you very much, Andy. Greatly appreciated. And I think my main goal is if I can help change industry after watching it for over a decade and more, having no changes, we are successful.
0: And I think it will be too. Again, thank you. Cheers, Roxy.
4: Thank you, Andy. Bye-bye.
0: Pickles here.
1: I listen to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Road Show.
0: When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention – 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, they've discovered how Seeing Machines Guardian is scientifically proven to reduce fatigue events by more than 90%. To find out more about how Seeing Machines Guardian can provide proven assistance in safeguarding your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers, visit the website at www.seeingmachines.com or give them a call on 0261034700 for more information.
1: Mick here with Trevor Warner, the Queensland Delegate for the National Road Freighters Association. I wanted to ask him a few questions about the way things are going and what he sees as being issues within the industry. But first of all, just say g'day, Trevor. How are you, mate? G'day, Mick. Yeah, good, bud. Glad to be here. Have you been working, mate? What are you up to?
2: Yeah, doing a bit. We transport a lot of food, so there's no rest for the wicked. We've been pretty well under the pump getting things in, going.
1: You do market, don't you?
2: Yeah, market, and we do general up to North Queensland and then pick up produce out of there and then down to the southern markets. Hmm. Fills in our week pretty well.
1: I'm sure it does. So
2: Sydney, Melbourne markets, that's your thing? Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide. We used to go to Perth. That was a good run over there, but they found a few more efficient ways with sending that produce now with combination of road, train and rail. So yeah. pretty well just stuck to the East Coast these days.
1: So what are you B-double, what are you driving,
3: mate?
2: Mainly B-Double every now and again. I get a single load when things are a bit quiet, but typically all B-Double work. <laughs> Seems to be a bit of a rarity to have a B-Double operator these days that knows what they're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. What, are you running a Volvo or Kenworth?
2: Yeah, the boss has just bought me one of those new XXL big cabs.
1: Oh, I And how are you
2: finding that? Good, good. Not that I asked for it, but I was on holidays and he sent me a photo of the new truck. He said, it's yours if you want it. And I went... Bigger bunk, yeah, I'll have that, Yep. but it's got all the works and jerks on it. I do all my own cooking and everything, so there's plenty of space to store your cooking gear and an extra fridge, but the big bunk really makes a difference. Volvo's done a top job on that with a truck for the Australian market.
1: I'm hoping to get my hands on one for a test drive, but anyway, we'll see how we do. All right, let's get down to it. You and I got together because we've had a bit of a conversation in private about the way some things happen within the industry. And we've both got a lot of questions. Now, as you're fully aware, mate, I'm one of these blokes that has the unicorn job. I work for a very good company and I get paid everything I should get paid. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the same for everyone, is it?
2: No, it's not. There's some real horror stories out there of drivers being exploited. Given the amount of laws that we've got in this country governing chain of responsibility and fatigue laws and wages laws, to hear some of the stories is just mind-boggling, how yeah, they're
1: getting away with it. So it's been one of those ongoing things for years now, people talking about long-distance drivers in particular doing the unpaid work of loading and unloading, and I mean, typically it can take a couple of hours to load and, and unload, and when you're talking about splitting trailers and all the rest, it's not unusual to unload and load, take half a day at each end, is it?
2: Absolutely, three or four hours just disappears, particularly if you're loading into some of the bigger places where you might have six trucks in front of you, you know, so we only get paid while the wheels are turning and as soon as those wheels stop, that's it, the pay stops.
1: So the day goes on but the pay doesn't go on.
2: That's it, it comes to a screech and halt real quick. It does. How
1: have truck drivers been blocked from fixing the wage problem?
2: Well, once again, it's highly paid lawyers and it's large companies using regulations to assert their dominance in a particular sector. But the government had graciously given us a government agency called the Fair Work Ombudsman. But Hmm. as I discovered four or five years ago now, they're extremely limited in what they can do. And even if they do get a successful outcome. I actually had an old boss there a while ago. He agreed to pay me X amount of money, and that money never came to be. Mm. And when I contacted the ombudsman, they just said, well, we can't force him to pay, so you'll have to take action in court. I had an agreement, so it was pretty well just enforcing that agreement. As it turned out, the boss went broke anyway, and the good old Australian taxpayer with their deep pockets paid those unpaid wages via the fair entitlement guarantee. Yes, Mm. So the good old taxpayer picked up the tab where the boss was out of cash.
1: So the short story of it is is the ombudsman's a bit of a toothless tiger. They can say all they want, but if the employer just digs their heels in and just says, oh, I'm not doing that, then there's no remedial action apart from court action.
2: No, that's exactly right. I had a few drivers come to me. They heard about a few successes that I had with recovering wages for some mates of mine, and Mm. this guy just said, look, you know, this is the problem. I said, yep, no worries. I showed him how to negotiate his way through the Fair Work Ombudsman's procedure and got a letter back from the Ombudsman's office saying that the employer refuses to return our phone call, (laughs) so we're closing your case and if you wish to continue your action, you'll have to seek a remedy within the court system.
1: So all the employer's got to do is just not answer the phone?
2: Just not pick up the phone and there's nothing the Ombudsman can do about it. Wow,
1: so what's the point then? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, very much so. And that's the tax that you and I and other truck drivers pay into the system each year. Mm. It's just mind boggling to think that we're paying for an agency to do what I originally thought was their job. Yep. And they can just pick and choose how hard they want to go against an employer. They do have a department. They call it the Campaigns Department. i sort of got a bit of a nickname for it. I call it the SEAL Team 6 of the Fair Work Ombudsman's Office. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) They've got the power to walk in and audit somebody's payroll, but to actually get that to happen is extremely difficult a group of us got together and we correlated nearly a dozen cases. Mm. We presented the evidence to the Ombudsman's office and I got to speak directly to some assistant directors. So we're talking top level employees of the Ombudsman. And I explained to them that, look, you've got this SEAL Team 6 sitting there that can go in and do whatever they like, but you're too busy using what I call the shotgun approach. So I believe at the time when all this was going on, they were doing a campaign down on the southern coast, down your area, down at like Wollongong South, mm. with the hospitality industry. I believe that they ordered it. I think it was a thousand workplaces, and they come up with hardly anything. And here we are, we're handing them the evidence to say these people are doing this, and this is the evidence. Mm. And they could just walk in there, and they've already got the evidence, so they know there's an offence has occurred. But they just, as far as I know, to this date, four years later, that none of the employers on that list have actually been targeted. Mm.
1: So no one gets anywhere, really. What about the TWU or the NRFA? Are they actually doing anything about any of this? Have they had any success? Doesn't seem to me like the TWU does very much at all about any of this stuff these days.
2: No, well, they struck the same problem as what I did. I do believe... I think it was in Brisbane. They pursued a matter on behalf of one of their members. Mm. They got a successful outcome in relation to there was money's owed, but the employer refused to pay it. And all that the ombudsman can say is, yes, this is how much he owes under the law, but we can't force him to pay. You'll have to take matters into your own hands and take the employer to court based on the evidence that we've correlated for you.
1: So at the end of the day, all that we can really do is use the ombudsman's evidence and investigation to go to court to get a judgment against the employer, which is then upheld by the sheriff or something. Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, along those lines. But after the employee has been ripped off on their wages, Hmm. the employee then has to pay an application fee to commence proceedings within the court. Now, Even in the Small Claims Court of the Federal Circuit Court, they've got jurisdiction over the Fair Work Act. Yep. Off the top of my head, I think the Small Claims Tribunal, the Small Claims Division is still $300. Wow. And if it's over $20,000, the application fee is uh, some $600 or $700. Right. That's up front to start proceedings. So if you're paying a house off looking after a, a family, trying to pay your bills and you've been ripped off so you're behind the eight ball right from the start Mm. and then you've got to cough up more money just to get into court and that doesn't guarantee a successful win what i have found most people just go oh this is too hard and they just move on to another employer
1: yeah where the same thing can happen all over again
2: absolutely that's right
1: i've been in the situation where i've worked for employers who paid me trip money and as you say the day goes on but the pay doesn't go on And we do these things by choice. I've had people say to me, oh, no one holds a gun to your head. You're not forced to do it for a job. But it just seems to me sometimes that employers or some employers seem to take advantage of this. And then you look at some of the fellows who, for one reason or another, have had run-ins with the law as far as their traffic offenses and all that sort of thing goes. And I'm sure you and I could both sit here and rattle off a couple of names of companies who are pretty much staffed by fellows who would be called less than trouble-free as far as their experience on the highway goes. Absolutely. They tend to get caned fairly hard, some of those fellas, don't they, with the companies who say, oh, you know, shut up, mate, you're lucky to have a job.
2: Well, that's it, and especially now in the time of COVID, mm. we've raised a few issues around the place, and that's typically what we get told. You know, you're lucky you've still got a job. Mm. Be thankful that you haven't lost any income, mm. given that there's some people that can't work. They're not allowed to go to their workplace, Yeah, which has just fed the dodgy operators even more. Mm. So wage
1: theft, it's not uncommon, is it, Trevor?
2: Not in the transport industry, no, and it's an interesting thing. We're all truck drivers now. It just depends on whether you're a long-distance driver or whether you're what we classify as a local driver. Mm. You're at home every night. You go in, get in your truck, and go and do what you need to do. We operate under two different awards. So, But if you operate under the long-distance award, for some strange reason, the powers-to-be have deemed that you only need to be paid while those wheels are turning, Mm. even though the local guy could be right behind you for that whole 12 hours of the day. Yeah. And you earn exactly the same money. But when you get to the next city, i.e. Brisbane down to Sydney, The local driver takes the truck back to the yard. Another driver gets in, Mm. but the long-distance driver, they're given tasks to, no, don't go to the depot. We need you to go directly to Woolies. Mm. Now, this happened to me, I don't know, four or five months ago now. It's probably the worst scenario. Mm. I went from Brisbane to Sydney, and I had a direct delivery of full 22 pallets to go to Woolies at Michinbury there. Mm. And they were short-staffed that particular morning in the a.m., Memory serves me right. I think I rocked up about 3 a.m. in the morning for my designated time slot, and it was nearly lunchtime, or just after lunchtime when I left.
3: Nine hours.
2: So that was roughly nine hours I sat there, and I didn't get paid a cent. But the company truck that I traveled with, I don't know if it was the same set of trailers, but someone come in and unloaded the fresh produce in front of me mm. and they were getting paid by the hour. So if they were sitting there for nine hours as well, they would have been paid their hourly rate. Oh. But because I was on long distance, nah, you don't get a cent, sunshine. Suck it up.
1: You could bet your backside that if bullies were paying you demurrage or paying your employer demurrage for you to sit there and say they'd soon sort their bloody staffing problems out.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. There is no pressure for them to get the trucks in and out as quickly as possible. Yeah.
1: So I saw you giving evidence up in Brisbane at the transport inquiry being run by Senator Glenn Stirl, and you presented a lot of dissimilar information up there to that inquiry, didn't you?
2: I did, yeah. Yeah. Glenn's really interested. And he's, as he said to me off the record, you know, like he's seen this carry on for 40 years and Mm. nothing's changed in 40 years. And when we discuss why that is, it it all comes back to the same old story is that the big end of town have got deep pockets. And it's the same lawyers that are going in there year after year or particularly the same law firm that are fighting in the courts to keep the status quo and to keep the truck driver at the lean end of the deal. And the work that we do for free, of course, goes straight into the pocket of the shareholders, of these big companies.
1: I've often had the joke, they say to me, oh, Mick, you'll be taken over shortly. There'll be automatic trucks and driverless trucks. No, there won't because there'll be no one to do all the free work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's exactly right. You know what we've seen in America since they've introduced electronic work diaries over there that are actually hooked up to the ECM of the truck, up to the engine. So as soon as you turn that ignition key... Hmm. The electronic work diary fires up and all of a sudden all the illegal work that they used to do all of a sudden couldn't be done and, yeah. and now their capacity reduced and now that they, they've finally decided that, oh, maybe if we pay these guys a little bit more, they might be able to provide the service that our customers need.
1: Hmm. Well, I've done a few articles over the time. I wrote one and had one published there for Big Rigs, which forms part of my submission to the Senate Inquiry. What do you think's going to happen? Rod Hannaford doesn't seem to have much faith in the general outcome. He's been banging his head against the road pavement now for like 20-odd years and not seen many changes. And I mean, perhaps you don't know, but you can go and pick up any old issue you like of Trucking Life or any of those old magazines, and the problems that they're talking about back then are, are still there today. You hold out much hope for the inquiry or things improving in the future?
2: Well, we can always hope that the politicians or the lawmakers can read the submissions and come up with a fair set of rules. Everything I seem to read, the little guy is ignored mm-hmm. and they're putting all the weight and decision behind the so-called experts, be they sleep experts or the road transport experts, the alleged experts. Now, one thing I did notice was when they asked for their submissions to go to the NTC for the review of the National Heavy Vehicle Law, They got the submissions, they made a statement of what they witnessed. A month ago or so, they released their impact statement. And when I read that, I looked at the fatigue section. I went, hang on a second, they've ignored everything that we've said. All the drivers, everything that the drivers have said has been ignored and they've gone back to basically the status quo, which is the evidence provided by the sleep experts. Now, the evidence that they would have provided, I've read all the reports, I've read Dr. Drew Dawson's stuff, read Professor Ann Williamson's stuff, and I've trialled two different fatigue monitors. One was developed by the U.S. military, and that algorithm is correct, provided you work for one of the big companies. (laughs) But the small guy and the owner-operator and the subcontractor That algorithm goes out the window as soon as you're sitting around for three or four hours in the middle of the day waiting for your freight to be ready so you can load and then go do your long-distance journey. So if you just get up in the morning and you do your job, typically by hour 17, you're ready to go to bed. Mm. But if you've had a big sleep in the middle of the day, you're out of logbook hours, you legally can't drive anymore, hmm. and yet you're wide awake because you've had that big sleep in the middle of the day. Yeah. That was in our submissions. But that was all ignored. So I'm leaning towards that they're going to ignore the truck driver once again, and they're going to follow the advice of the so-called experts and the big end of town, which suits their business model down to the ground.
1: The Only time will tell, mate, and I hate to say it, but you're probably right. All right, Trev, it's been great to catch up, mate, and time to sort of wrap it up. Any final
2: points that you want to add before we call it a day? Well, you know, we've got the NTC thing going at the moment. I've bit the bullet and put in an application to the Fair Work Commission to try and sort out this unpaid loading and unloading. That's still all in the hands of the commissioner or the deputy president. So, hopefully, we'll get a decision on that in the next few weeks. But if we have a win there, I think we might have just solved the problem of all this free labour loading and unloading. And customers are going to have to be paying for all the hours that are worked by the transport workers.
1: Well, mate, I'll be interested to hear the story. When you get a result, get a hold of me, mate, and we'll get you back and we'll have a chat about it.
2: That'd be great. Fingers crossed.
1: All right, mate. No worries. You keep it safe out there, and maybe I'll see you on the road.
2: Cheers, Mick. Great talking, buddy.
0: For more than 70 years, the name Pearlcraft has been synonymous with handmade pearl and marble-finished steering wheels and gear shift knobs. Each and every Pearlcraft product is 100% handcrafted, keeping true to their motto of Always work with pride, let quality be your guide. They can transform and enhance your current steering wheel or create a whole new wheel designed to suit your rig. Visit the Pearlcraft website at www.pearlcraft.com.au for more information about the complete range of Pearlcraft products and services. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast on the Australian Big Rigs Roadshow. You might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there and in the meantime, take care of you. Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Mike, good afternoon to you.
1: Good afternoon, Andy. How are we going today,
0: mate? Fabulous, thank you. Now, you being the intrepid news hound that you are, mm-hmm. I know you've rounded up some interesting stuff for us this week. Now, last week we talked about the convoy for a cura in Townsville. You've got an update on that.
1: We did, mate. I'll tell you what, they had a cracking show up there. A couple of hundred trucks. 100 motorbikes, and they managed to raise a whopping $62,020 convoy for a cure. Absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, certainly is. So it was a good rollout, obviously.
1: Obviously a good rollout. Only an eight-kilometre route, but there were thousands of people on the side watching for the footpaths in the front yards. And it's just typical of the way things go with these convoys. And as I said last week, it makes you so proud to be part of the industry sometimes to see something like this happening.
0: Absolutely. And eight kilometres, that'd be almost your morning jog, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> I don't even go that far to get a hamburger, mate.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Made a little bit of distressing news. It's always sad to have to bring it, but it is important news.
1: Mate, it is. About five o'clock last Tuesday, which was September the 29th, the emergency services were called to the Great Western Highway at Mount Lambie, where a driver had been shot. Now, apparently this guy was dragged from his cabin and robbed, and in the process, he was shot. He was airlifted to Westmead Hospital where he had surgery, and he's now in a stable condition.
0: Thank God for that.
1: It's one of those things we very, very rarely hear of this sort of thing in Australia. I mean, obviously, sometimes there are guys who get into altercations on the road. Mm. Getting shot is sort of something that's really next level, and particularly when you're parked on the side of the road in a rest area trying to get your break. The police are continuing with their investigations they're after anyone who was in the area at about 5am on Tuesday on September the 29th. So if you were in the area at the time, please contact Bathurst Police. They're after any information they can get. They're after dash cam footage, see if they can identify vehicles that were around there. So all the mine workers, changing shifts and that they may have been getting about at the time. They can contact Crime Stoppers on one eight hundred triple three 333
0: 0 If you're around the area, guys, and you saw anything, please do that. Yeah. And mate, a truckie in Sydney has shared details of his recent crash as a warning to others.
1: He has indeed. Now this is the same guy we were talking about the other week. Glenn Stirl had written his complaint to the advertising ombudsman about. Yeah. Now, Glenn Castanelli just turned 50. He's a regular, everyday Aussie guy truckie. And he'd been and picked up a panload of ice cream and he was heading back to Brisbane from Sydney. And just in a heartbeat, his life's been turned upside down by this accident and the aftermath of it. Mm. He's got a great driving record. He's driven four million interstate kilometers and never had an accident. Wow. And he's also part of the National Road Freighters Association. So he's well known to many people in the industry. And you really just don't realise what happens or what can happen as a result of something like this. It's completely not at fault. Someone has crossed the road onto his side of the road and he's had this accident. Now, luckily no one was seriously injured. Everyone's obviously shaken up. Mm. But Lynn's been standing on the side of the road and basically ignored, no support. And then when the police did arrive, he was basically under arrest. They've come through his logbook trying to find some sort of an error there, see if he'd done anything wrong. And then he was taken to jail for mandatory blood and alcohol testing. So they've searched his cab and they've found some tablets in there that he used to give up smoking, tablets called Champix, Mm -hmm. and he's trying to give up smoking because he's in a bit of trouble now. I reckon. The coverage of accidents like this always seems as though we get the wrong end of the deal sometimes
0: here. Guilty till proven innocent, mate.
1: Indeed. And of course, Channel 7, as Glenn said, didn't help. He was incensed with the coverage and he's written to Bridget Fair, the CEO of Free TV Australia, asking her to investigate. Mm. Now... Glenn said he didn't feel too badly about the whole thing, and really, until he saw it on the TV, but his truck's been written off. He's now driving for a friend in Melbourne. It's just so hard to get back to what you normally do. It's one of the reasons, you know, I've often said that we don't get enough support as drivers when we have incidents on the road. Mm. Just as a side issue, I'm having a bit of a chat with some people now, and we're going to bring some information to our listeners about what can happen and what support is available to people as a result of this accident. Yeah, good.
0: The fight for toll relief for truckies on the North Connects continues.
1: It does. North Connects is just the gift that keeps on giving. It really is.
0: Like sands through the hourglass. Oh,
1: indeed. <laughs> Twenty-three dollars and seventy-one cents to use a toll road. Hmm. And we all know how I feel about this, mate. We do. We haven't got long enough for me to just go on another long-winded rant.
0: We don't. No. <laughs>
1: The government has said that they want all the bills and everything in place before North Connects is open, so it all goes smoothly. And the public want these things sorted out as well. But the shadow minister for roads, John Graham, said that he's put forward a bill in the parliament, which is aimed to cap the tolls for a short period of time on the new roofs. His story for doing this is he wants to reduce the risk of dangerous last-minute lane changes by motorists trying to avoid charges. Mm-hmm. I want to know what planet John Graham lives on <laughs> because if he thinks that a bill he puts in the parliament in New South Wales is going to stop people from doing stupid stuff on the road, I think you needs to give an education. Yeah, well, I'm happy to give you one, mate. If you want to come and have a chat with me, have a sit in the truck, I'm happy to have you there. All this stuff is creating ongoing pressure Transport workers are being banned from using Pennant Hills Road and they're being forced to use North Connects. This is the first time that this has happened in New South Wales. And as I've said before, it's happened in Queensland and and other places. But the trucking industry are fed up with this sort of thing, being forced to use infrastructure. And they're all saying it's for our savings and our safety. Well, I want to know what saving or safety we're going to get at 2 o'clock in the morning when there's no traffic on Pennant Hills Road. And I'm not the only one asking the question. This makes my blood boil, this one.
0: (laughs) I've noticed. Well, on a brighter note, I believe this weekend the Lights on the Hill Trucking Memorial Service will be paying tribute to truckies who've lost their lives.
1: They will. Lights on the Hill is a wonderful organisation.
0: It's not a bad song either. It's not a bad song.
1: The Lights on the Hill Memorial Service will pay tribute to truckies who've lost their lives and remember contributions to the industry. It's normally part of a wider group of memorial services around the country, but it's all been fairly restricted due to the COVID situation that we still have dogging the country. Mm. Around 25 truckies who have lost their life in the last year will be honoured there, including the old mate John Moran, also known as the Ferret. The Ferret was one of these guys who knew everyone and knew everything about everyone, and no one ever knew how he ever knew everything about everyone. He used to write for some of the transport magazines and Ferret would be always the one with all the gossip. He was the bloke that you would go to if you wanted to know what was going on. So he's one of the people who have since passed and he will be honoured at the lights on the hill. It's one of those great things. If you get the chance and you can attend, it's up at Gatton, the one that's on 10am on Sunday. Hmm. Organisers will follow a COVID safe plan. Restrictions will apply to the number of people allowed to visit the wall at one time for plant viewing. If You're going to attend, you can attend from 9.30 on Sunday. And I'm sure it'll be a great service.
0: Yeah. And where's that on, Mike?
1: That's at Gatton. Lovely Gatton. At the Lake Apex Park, Gatton, at the Lights on the Hill Memorial Wall.
0: And finally, mate, I know how much you love talking about shiny new trucks.
1: Oh, mate.
0: And there's news through the Daimler Trucks North America have unveiled the new Western Star 49X.
1: They certainly have. And they've got a lovely picture of one in the paper this week. We won't see one here for a little while, but I'll tell you what, I'm hoping that if I hold my hand up long enough and I smile for long enough, maybe Daimler will let me have one for a bit of a test drive. Always had a little bit of a soft spot for Western Star. The first truck I ever bought was a Western Star. Mm. They've unveiled the new 49X. They're really regarded as one of the toughest, most tested and most durable trucks in the world, these things. Mm. They're just a rugged truck, they are. Very, very popular in North America for logging and and all that sort of stuff. Mm. The X-series cab is designed to deliver the maximum versatility. They're a beautiful thing, Western Stars. We expect to see them launched here in late 2022 or early 23.
0: They make pretty decent butter too, don't they?
1: (laughs) Western Star, no, no, no.
0: Wife buys it all the time.
1: I like Western Star Butter, but I don't think Western Star Butter and Western Star Trucks are... No relation. No relation.
0: Okay.
1: I don't even think they're kissing cousins, mate.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) On that ridiculous note, I'll bid you a fodd farewell and we'll catch you next week.
1: Thanks very much, mate. You take care.
0: Yeah, you too, bud.
1: See you when I'm looking at you.
0: Sure will. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au.
1: Listen, something to talk about today isn't really something to talk about. It's something of an appeal to the audience, to you, the listeners. I want this show to be the voice of the Australian driver and everyone that's involved in the transport industry. I want this thing to be successful for the people that support the show, but I also want it to be successful for the people that listen to the show. So go to the web page, look at the phone number, give me a call. You can talk to me directly. That phone is in my possession. I will talk to you about anything that you want to talk about. You don't necessarily have to appear live on the show. I'm more than happy to do an editorial for you about what you want to talk about. Or you can send me an email. There's my email address there, or you can email the web page. You can jump on the Facebook page and have a look. I really do want this show to be about what you want it to be about. So please tell us what you want. If you want me to interview someone in particular, tell me who it is. If there's someone out there that's doing a great job in the industry, tell me who it is and we can give them a round of applause. And if it's someone who's doing a crap job, tell me who it is and we'll give them some brickbats. The reality of it is, is there's a lot of information out there that's in the heads of the guys and girls behind the wheel and behind the desks your confidentiality is assured. I won't mention a name or I won't say anything about anyone that doesn't want their name mentioned. So like coming to the confessional, come to Mixed Confessional on the road and let's see if we can get it out there. There's been some really great things that have gone on in the industry at the moment. A lot of laws are being looked at. And a lot of things are being changed. They're talking about 27 meter B-doubles now, for example. I'm a little bit of a cynic when it comes to the increases of lengths on B-doubles because since it first started, all I've seen is the prime movers stay the same and the trailer deck lengths get longer and longer. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I wouldn't be taking any bets that when they go to 27 meters, we won't see an extra couple of pallet spaces on a B-double because, gee, how wide is a chipped pallet? But anyway, that's the way it seems to go. I'm loving the guys who are saying, well, it's just going to be long bonnet prime movers and we'll put bigger sleepers on. My position on all this stuff is on the record. I think that the driver is the most important part of the supply chain. Now, admittedly, we are a wheel in the chain, but without the driver, nothing happens. The same as without the people that load it, nothing happens. But the drivers are the ones that move the freight from A to B. We are the ones that get stuck on the side of the road in a rest area with no facilities and get left to our own devices. Snow, heat, rain, whatever it is, we're out there and we don't go home at night time, the long distance drivers mostly, unless they're doing short changeovers or something like that. Those guys get to go home to their own bed, but the rest of us are out there for the week. I live in mine five days a week, usually four or five days a week. And I'm away from home majority of the year in the truck. I'm lucky. I've got a big truck with a big bed and a microwave and all that. Lots of people aren't so lucky. So when I see this rule change for 27 meters, I'm quite happy to see that. Quite happy that some guys are going to get the opportunity to have a little bit more space and have a little bit better lifestyle on the road. Take care out there. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll catch you next time.
0: The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be 100% in agreement with the views of guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.